Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Confessions of the Keyboardist. I'm here today with Winfield Cheek. Welcome, Winfield. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Um, we're talking long distance. You're in Austin, Texas. That's correct. Wow. I, I'm so excited. When I heard that you were there, I, I just thought there's so much to learn. I can't wait to hear about, you know, your experiences there and the music scene and, and just I have so much to ask you. Uh, it's a pretty happening music scene down here. That's for sure. I'm certain. <laughs> How long have you been there? Uh, a little over 12 years. Okay. I was living in, uh, actually I was living in Bowling Green, Kentucky before I moved down here. And, uh, I had lived in Nashville for many years. I lived there for about 13 or 14 years. And, uh, gosh, I've lived everywhere, practically. You know, I've lived in New York and California and Nashville, and and now I'm in Austin, and I think I'm going to stay here because I'm tired of moving. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would grow fond of the, um, not not only the food, but the temperature, the weather, um, I have two sisters who have lived in Texas, so the blue bonnets are coming. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful set. It, it really is. And, and I used to think Texas wasn't that pretty, but I never really got to see all of Texas. And it really is a beautiful, you know, it's beautiful down here. You know, a lot of water and a lot of greenery. You know, I used to think it was like a desert, but it's really, there's a lot of pretty parts in Texas. So, yeah. pretty nice place. Well, it's a, it's some country, basically. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. I mean, it kind of reminds me of, of, you know, like Kentucky, you know, around Austin, because there's a lot of hot, you know, there's a lot of springs and stuff like that around here. So it's real green and real pretty, you know. So I like it down here. I feel like I'm in the South. Nice, yes. <laughs> well, would you like to go chronologically and just, you know, tell some stuff about your uh, growing up years, or do you want to start with the present? I'm I'm good either way. It doesn't matter. However, you would want to do it. it doesn't matter to me. Okay. I've got a million stories. That's for sure. <laughs> well, um, who are you currently playing with? I'm playing with a band called Shiny Ribs, and it is uh, it's a fantastic band. Um, started out, uh, I had just moved to Texas, and. Um, I met these guys, uh, Jeff and Ben Brown. They had a band, and I uh, started playing with them. And uh, Kevin Russell was their producer, and he is uh, a really fine singer, songwriter, entertainer. And um, Jeff told him, he said, man, you got to hear this keyboard player we got. And I met him one day, and he said, I hear you're really good. And I said, yeah, you know. And he said, you want to play together? And I said, sure. And he was with a real popular band called The Gourds. And uh, they were they were a pretty big band there for a while. And he just wanted to do something on the side, you know, because he, he wrote so many songs. And that band had like three three songwriters in the band, so he didn't get that many songs on, a, on an album. So he wanted to do his own thing. And I said, sure. And we started out basically just he and I, and then we picked up a bass player and didn't like him. And I talked him into getting Jeff Brown, who is our current bass player. And um, we went through a bunch of different drummers for a while. And I, I kept trying to get him to get Keith Langford, the, the drummer for the courts. And uh, Keith didn't want to do it. And after a while, Keith saw that that Kevin was really losing interest in the gourds, and 
you know, was wanting to do the shiny rips thing. So he started playing with us and that's how the band got started. And, uh, gosh, we just beat around Texas for, you know, years riding around in a van and playing gigs. And, and then he said, uh, we played a wedding one time and he said they want us to have a horn section. So we hired these horn guys for this wedding and Kevin was like, man, I like them. I think we'll keep them. And I'm like, we can't afford horns. And he said, yeah, we can. So we got this horn section and then, uh, you know, we started making a little more money and, and playing different type, types of music. And then, um, he kept talking about getting a girl singer and I was like, no, there, there are a lot of trouble. I, I love girls. Don't get me wrong. But I said, you know, there, there are a lot of trouble. You got to rent them an extra room. And, you know, and I said, and, and, you know, it's tough on them on, you know, on the road with a bunch of guys. So he calls me up and says, well, I, I hired two girls <laughs> and, uh, which was really a smart move because they're like sisters and they, you know, they really get along well and, you know, they go get their nails done and get their hair done and stuff like that, which guys don't do. So, you know, on the road, it is, it's great habit, but, um, you know, we have just been getting more popular and more popular and, you know, gosh, uh, last year we played Austin city limits and, you know, we do a lot of TV down here and we're, we're mainly a regional band, even though we do, we do tour quite a bit. Um, but we mainly tour around Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, that, that area. And we're actually a pretty big band. We uh, we won Band of the Year here uh, two years in a row, and we won Album of the Year last year. So um, you know, in Austin, we're we're a pretty big band. So it it's pretty cool. And you know, the music is really weird. It's kind of swamp pop. Um, it's got some you know New Orleans sound to it, but. Um, it's just really different type of music. I think that's why we're popular because we don't sound like all these other Texas bands. You know, they all have that, you know, they all have that same sound to them, in my opinion. And, uh, right. you know, we just don't sound like that at all, you know? So, um, I think that's the reason why we're, we're pretty daggone popular. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, like I said, I'm, I'm tickled to death. This is a, the best band as far as the nicest people, you know, I've ever worked with. And, you know, nobody hates each other. There's usually one person in every band that you just want to kill. And, you know, this <laughs> band's not like that. We all really respect each other. And, uh, you know, I, I was used to writing horn parts and stuff like that. But with this band, these guys are great horn players and they write great parts. And mm. the girls do their thing. And, you know, the rhythm section, we do our thing. And, you know, and Kevin's the band leader. And, and it's really great. You know, we, we get along and, you know, so I, I think it's a good thing. So mm -hmm. I'm done. Very happy with where I am right now. That's awesome. What was it like to play Austin City Limits? Uh, that was about the scariest gig I've ever played in my life. Um, Seriously? You know, there are <laughs> cameras everywhere. Yeah, it really, it really was. And, um, you know, when you do the you do the sound check, they want you to do the whole show so they can get their cameras lined up and all that stuff. And there was this guy behind me with a camera, literally, you know, two feet from me with, with a camera on me, but he would walk around 
uh, you know, and he'd go film the drummer for a while, and then he'd go behind the bass player for a while. Well, the, the night of the show, they made him stand there the whole time. And I mean, I, I just felt really self-conscious. I'm like, God, this guy's not moving at all. And uh, he didn't move the whole night. I mean, he literally had his camera on my hands the whole night and it it just made made me really nervous but after about three or four songs we all got into it we were all real nervous at first but um Mm -hmm. but you know it was really really an honor to play there you know and you know got to got you know got it on tv so you can't beat that and i've been watching that show since i was in high school and you know i always wanted to play on it so to you know to finally get to do it was a real honor so do very they, neat. Um, I'm sure. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. Do they use every song that you played, or do they just take excerpts, or how does that work? They take excerpts. Um, we actually played a full hour and a half show, and okay. and we only we only got a thirty minute slot. So, um, and they ask, you know, which ones do you recommend? And Kevin was like, "Well, they're all good," and uh, and so they picked, I think, four songs out of our set. That we did, and, and uh, okay. you know, gotten a lot of you know. We go around the country, and people go, "Yeah, I saw you on Austin City Limits," and that's when I first heard about you guys. So it really has helped our our popularity around the country. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it was it was a neat thing to do, and and like I said, it's a good notch to have on your belt, you know, to play at Austin City. So Absolutely. very very cool. And actually, I got to play a Ryman Auditorium um, a couple of months ago. We were on tour with Robert Earl Keane. We were the opening act for his big Christmas extravaganza. And um, I played on the Opry for years in, uh, in, the, in the 80s. I was with Jim Ed Brown, and he was one of the hosts. So I got to play on the Opry, but we played at the new Opry out at Opryland. And I never got to play the Ryman. Matter of fact, when I lived in Nashville, the Ryman was was all run down. You know, you could do tours, but they didn't have shows there. And uh, boy, they have redone that place, and it is gorgeous. And you know, we did a sold out show, and you know, had a great crowd. And so that was, you know, another notch on the belt that I thought was cool. I've always wanted to play that place, and finally did. That is so awesome. And um, I know that Robert Earl Keane song, the uh, Merry Christmas from the Family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. And Well, he's a, he's a great guy, and his band is just, they are just top-notch. Every, every musician in that band is just a, you know, crackerjack player. So, you know, we really enjoyed touring with those guys. And uh, we did it last year, and uh, I guess we're going and, and this year, and I guess we're going to do it next year, so. That we we great. tend to, to get along well. Oh yeah, he draws huge crowds, you know. And we play these big, nice theaters and auditorium, yeah. and and you know he sells them all out, you know. So it's always a good crowd with him. So and sometimes they don't know what to think about shiny ribs because we're we're a, a bit different. But um, but we actually did a Christmas album uh, a year and a half ago for last Christmas, and. Uh, not your typical Christmas album songs like, um, you know, Don't Go Chasing Santa Claus and uh, Backdoor Santa. And, you know, it's not like Silent Night and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> we opened it up with uh, Linus and Lucy, that, uh, uh, you know, Alpha Peanuts, the uh, piano song. 
uh, yeah. that opens the album. That, that's how we would open up the tour. And, uh, you know, I've been playing that song since I was about 10 years old and finally got to record it in a good studio and, you know, have a good band with it. And so, you know, it's, it's pretty cool playing that. To this day, I still enjoy playing that song. So, Yes. Do they uh, make you change keys to play with uh, guitar players? Or <laughs> I, I think the original might have been an A flat. I'm not sure, but it was the original key was A flat, and I, I moved it to C just to make it easy for everybody. And Got so, it. yeah, we we do we do it in C, and uh, you know we do our you know our own version of it. But it, you know it sounds you know pretty much like the record, but. Um, you know, everybody loves that. When you when you just start out with that lick, people, you know, just jump up and, you know, they love it. So, oh, yeah. I guess it reminds everybody of their childhood, you know. Mm-hmm. All ages, I think. Even young, a lot of my students like to play that song. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it's really a, a neat piece of music, and it's not easy to play. You know, it's got, you know, the syncopation is definitely weird in it, so. Yeah, not, not that easy a piece to play, but but it's fun, and you know, like I said, we always kicked off the our Christmas show with it, and uh, you know, people like it. Hmm. So it sounds like in your band, you get to play some stuff that challenges you and and keeps you happy, and and what do you, what do you enjoy doing most? Do you like the solo, or do you like to play rhythm, backing everybody up, or a good mixture? A good mixture, and and that's the good thing about this band. Uh, Kevin, he lets us do what we want to do. He doesn't tell anybody what to play. And I've been in bands, you know, in my life where, where you know, guys are like, well, you've got to play this like this and, and play this and play that. And and he does. He never says that. He never suggests anything. He just lets us come up with our own parts. And, you know, he might say, you know, I don't really like that. But... um but usually he he likes what we do, and like I said, this is the first band I've ever been in where, you know, he'll send us a little demo tape and or you know send it on the phone, and we'll work out our little parts and go rehearse, and you know every everybody has great parts, so hmm. you know it's fun, and and you know I I do love soloing and all that stuff, but you know just the feeling of a of a eight piece band cranking it up it's it's a great feeling you know when when yeah. everybody's on the right page you know it, it's a really magical feeling my sister used to go oh you just do it for the girls and i'm like no gwen i do it because when the band is really cooking there there's nothing like that in the world you know there's no other feeling like that you'll you'll ever get and uh you know, it's magical, and, and I've been playing for a long time, and, you know, I really do enjoy it, so, um, yeah. you know, and, and uh, uh, I, yeah, I got that questionnaire, and, you you know, do you like studio or, or um, live playing, and I enjoy being in the studio, but I just think it's real sterile, and, and I love it, you know, when you're playing live, and you got an audience, and you're feeding off of them, and they're feeding off of you, and you know, it just it makes you excited, and makes you play better. So you know, I just I love playing live. Yeah. Do y'all play every weekend, pretty much? We play. Uh, yeah, we play all the time. Um, usually, uh, we go out on a Thursday and come back on Sunday. And like I said, we we play mainly Texas, but Texas is as big as a country. So you can go to West Texas and play out there for, you know, for three or four days and then come back home. And then next week, go to South Texas and, you know, play 
three or four shows and come back home and then the next week go to Louisiana and, you know, play shows out there. But but we tour about three or four times a year. We'll, we'll get a bus and we'll go up north. Or we'll, usually in the summertime, we go out west to get out of the heat. You know, we go to Colorado and New Mexico and all that stuff. But we never tour more than two or three weeks straight because, um, Several of the guys and, and the girls in the band have kids, and they don't want to be away from them that long. So, um, you know, we'll go out for a couple of weeks, which is fine, because I'm getting older. You know, when I was in my 20s, I could go out for months at a time. But now, you know, after a few weeks, I'm going to get on to my own bed, you know. But, sure. um, but like, we're going out next week for about a week and a half. And we're, you know, using the bus on that and going to Florida and, playing some festival down there and, you know, playing a bunch of dates in between. So, um, you know, but that's just part of the, part of the job. Yeah. And I like that, you know, and then people are always, Oh, you're so lucky. You get to see all these great cities and stuff, but I'm like, you really don't, you get to see a hotel and, uh, you go to the the venue and set up and play and you go to a restaurant and eat and then you're gone, you know? And so you never really have time to check out the cities you're in very often, unless you have a day off. But, um, but I, I just like it. I like meeting people and traveling, you know, it's fun. Uh, what kind of rig are you using, and, and uh, how are you um, managing all that? You know, wear and tear, and, and just the setups and the. Well, actually, uh, the rig I'm using now uh, in the band, I've got a Hammond XK2, which is the dual manual um, Hammond keyboard, and it's got you know a good piano, good electric piano, good clavinets. You know, it's got pretty good sounds in it, and. Um, Believe it or not, we've got a couple of road guys that do all the loading and unloading for us because I'm just not great at that anymore. I'm getting older. But, um, so, you know, they, they take it, you know, they, I mean, I plug all my stuff in and everything, but they set the stuff up for me, which, which is great because I'm, I'm getting old to be dragging that big old heavy keyboard around. But, God, back in the old days, I, I carried a B3 and a Yamaha CP70 and a Mini Moog and a clavinet and, uh, guy, I mean, you know, just had to had the Rick Wakeman, Keith Emerson rigs, you know, and you know, it used to, it used to take me an hour to set up, but you know, nowadays in this digital world we're in, it, it, you know, it doesn't take me ten minutes to set my gear up, and I'm ready to go. Right. But uh, I just bought recently. I bought a Nord uh, Electro Six. Just because you know everybody's playing Nords now, and um, I'm not great with electronic keyboards. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm actually better with the old analog keyboards, but, um, but I thought, man, I've got to get one cause I've got to learn how to use one. Cause whenever we play gigs that have back lines, they all have Nords. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know how to switch sounds on those things. So now I've gotten where I'm getting kind of comfortable with it. And boy, the Nords are really good keyboards. So, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm enjoying it. And I mainly just use that. I play that around town when I'm, when I'm not playing with shiny ribs, I play pickup gigs, you know, here and there. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's a nice keyboard to have. So, yeah. so basically the XK2 on the road and I use the Nord when I'm in town. Okay. Um, so that's nice. You only have to take one keyboard for the, the 
the whole gig. That's really pretty good. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's a Hammond, so the organ sounds fantastic on it. And like mm-hmm. I said, the you know, the piano sound is, is good. It's not great, but it's good enough for a live gig. And, you know, the electric piano on it is real good. And, you know, it's a nice Wurlitzer. And, um, yeah, yes. like I said, it beats dragging around a Wurlitzer and a B3 and a piano. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, I just I can't do that anymore. But um, Right. Does it have a you know, and it, simulator on board on that keyboard? It it does, and it's pretty realistic. You know, it, it's not perfect. Actually, I think I like the one on the Nord better, but the Nord's newer. You know, that XK I got about four years ago, and yeah. uh, I just got this new Nord, you know, about three months ago, and uh, the Leslie sound on that thing is even better. So it's mm-hmm. amazing what they can do now, you know? Yeah. It's better all the time. I used to, <laughs> oh, yeah, it does get better all the time. So, um, you know, I, but like I said, I enjoy it. And, you know, luck, luckily I've got some young guys that help me load the gear in and out now. So that that helps a lot. Yeah, that, that really gets old on, for me as well, the, the lugging stuff around. All my cases have wheels, but, you know. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. You know, you, you still got to drag it around and drag it upstairs and stuff like that. And, you know, exactly. it's good to have some young 20-year-olds that that, that don't mind doing that. So mm-hmm. that, that helps. Yes. Well, let's go back. And um, if you don't mind, let's just, and we'll, we'll, um, we'll head this direction, but we'll go back in time. And, like, um, where, where are you from? You're, are you from Bollingbrook? Uh, no, I'm originally from Lexington, Kentucky. And, uh, yeah, my brother still lives here now, but, um, my mother, uh, was divorced when I was like six years old and she remarried, uh, this man from North Carolina. So we moved to North Carolina and that's where I was pretty much raised and, uh, stayed there till I was like 18 and left home, you know, then, but, uh, you know, I basically just took piano lessons, and the neat thing is my mother married Dr. Cheek, and he was a great pianist, and he used to play all the time, and it was funny. I was in the first grade, and this piano teacher came around and wrote her number up on the blackboard and said, any of you little girls who want to take piano lessons, give this number to your mom, and um, I went home that day, and I said, Mom, I want to take piano lessons, and she said, why? And I said, because I want to play like pop, and... um she called the lady and uh, set up lessons and went to about three lessons. And the lady said, he needs to get a better teacher. So uh, obviously I had aptitude for it. And then we got um, Janice Wellens, who was just a fabulous teacher. And uh, she graduated Yale School of Music and was really a good pianist. And uh, I had her all through high school. And she was really, really wonderful teacher. So Wow. You know, um, yeah, you it, it was good. The kind of stuff that she would do, like, do you remember the kinds of books that she used, or what she had you play, or? I, you know, was it regimented? Gosh, it was, like it was so. Like that, it, well, of course, you know, when you start out, you have to do a lot of scales and arpeggios, and you know the Thompson theory books and all that stuff, okay. and um, and I never, I'm, I'm still to this day not a good sight reader. 
I've got a really good ear. And she figured out after about a year, she would play me a piece before she would let me try it. And she said, I've learned not to do that because you, I could just hear it and play it. And and she learned, you know, that he'll never learn to sight read it, you know, as long as I keep playing these pieces for him. So, um, but to this day, I'm still not a good sight reader. But, you know, it's, you know, like I said, I've got a good ear and that's kind of what I use. But, yeah. uh, you know, I can sight read. It just, it takes me a while to get through a piece of music, you know, especially sure. classical music. Yeah. Well, it's hard. Quite it good. is hard. It is hard. And I've tried teaching piano and I'm not a good piano teacher. Um, I'm actually a good guitar teacher. Um, I started playing guitar when I was about 10 and, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a damn good guitarist, but there's so many good guitarists out there and there are not that many good keyboard players. I realized that, you know, I think I'll better just stick to keyboards as far as making a living goes. But, um, but like I said, I've tried to teach piano, and I just don't have the patience for it because piano is a really hard instrument, and you've got to, you know, you've got to drill the scales and the arpeggios and the, and you know, and the the Hannon School of Velocity and all that stuff, and you know, I, you know, I remember that stuff, and and I try to, you know, I would try to teach kids that, and and I I just would lose patience, and because uh, guitar, in my opinion, is is, is easier to play. It's easier to start out with you know you mm -hmm. can teach them a few chords and then they can be playing a song in a couple of weeks whereas piano you know it takes a couple of years before you can really play anything yeah. so um you know but um but i always enjoyed teaching guitar but um nowadays i don't have to do it as much as i used to so but a bunch of people have asked me through the years, man teach me how to play piano like that and i just i'm not a good piano teacher so I learned that many years ago. <laughs> right? It's definitely not for everybody. Um. It's definitely not, you know. And I know I know a lot of great players, and they're not good teachers, and vice versa. I know some people that aren't that great a player, but they're damn good teachers, you know. And, uh, you know, there's an art to teaching. And, yeah. you know, I think, you know, you've got to encourage people, and, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, it really is. Well, so you've, you you took a lot of lessons all the way through high school, and then all the way through high school. And I actually took a year of college. I majored in music, but by then I was so burned out on classical music that I just you know I wanted to play in rock bands, you know. And I'd been in rock bands since I was in the fourth grade, but um, you know I, I really did get burned out on classical music, and. Um, you know, so after a year, I went to New York and uh, was going to be a rock star. And um, I had a tough time. I mean, I played in several bands and, you know, we played CBGBs and, you know, Mud Club and my father's place and all those clubs up there. But we just, you know, didn't make any money at all. And so my sister got me a job waiting tables at Tavern on the Green. And, um, out of that, I got a job, believe it or not, waiting tables at Studio 54. And uh, that was just a real wild period of, of, of my life there. I got, you know, heavily into drugs and, you know, debauchery. And I had to get out of New York or I was going to die. So I, I called my mom and she let me come home. 
And then I started playing in rock bands around the Carolinas, and the journey began there. And, you know, believe it. Well, and I'm telling you, I think you learn more just playing and being with other people and learning from other musicians than I ever learned in school. And, you know, and I'm proud of my training. You know, I had a good classical background. But, um, you know, I think I've learned a lot more in the years since just playing with other people and, and, you know, hooking up with other keyboard players and going, you know, how do you do that? And, you know, mm-hmm. where, where'd you come up with that and stuff? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've actually, you know, I've learned more and I've actually learned more theory, um, not from books, just from doing it. You mm-hmm. know, when you do it enough, you, you really do, you do learn that stuff. So, yeah. um, like I said, you know, I appreciate my training, but, but I really do think that mega, the, majority of the training has come from just being on the road and playing with other great musicians. When you uh, lived in New York and, and were waiting on all those tables and all that stuff, like, do you remember certain acts that you saw or different musicians you saw that you really liked? Oh, man, I actually saw the police when they first came out um, up there, and uh, that just yeah. blew my mind. I, I thought they were the new Beatles, you know. I just never heard anything like that, you know, a three-piece band. And, you know, the, the ska and the reggae influence they had was totally out of anything I'd ever heard before. So, you know, I heard them in a club one night, and I was like, man, this band's going to be big. And I was telling my friends back home, I was like, man, I just heard this band, and they're going to be huge. And sure enough, a year later, Roxanne, you know, was a big hit, and, you know, they were one of the biggest bands in the world. But um, let's see. I saw Blondie back then and saw the Talking Heads at CBGB's one time, and... um, and it was kind of the beginning of, of punk rock when I was up there. I was up there in the late 70s, uh, 1980-ish. And, uh, you know, Ramones and bands like that were, were just kicking off. And I even played in a punk band um, for a while up there. But like I said, you know, I didn't make any money. And I had to make money because uh, Pop told me when I quit college, he said, you know, that's it. You know, I'm not. you're not getting any more money. And so, you know, I had to earn a living so I had to wait tables and you know through the years I you know gosh I have waited tables and painted houses and bartended and work construction and you know we do what we got to do in order to be able to play but uh, luckily the past like six years you know I've been making a good living with shiny ribs and so I don't have to do any outside work, thank goodness. I do, yeah. you know, I like to play with other bands, but as I'm saying I don't, you know, I don't have to go paint houses during the day like I used to, so. Sure. You know. It's, so, it's, what were the, uh, go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. Okay, well, I was going to um, flip back to, like, when you went back to North Carolina and you started playing with rock bands, like, what kind of stuff were you playing then? Uh, cover bands? We or? actually... A cover band, and um, and I kind of got a bad reputation for uh, quitting bands because, you know, after we'd learned our three sets of music or whatever it was, they didn't want to practice anymore. And, okay. you know, not, you know what I mean? They'd get, you know, comfortable, you know, we got our sets, we're fine. And, and I wanted to get better and, you know, do original stuff. And um, so I remember kind of getting a rep back in the Carolinas about, well, he quits, you know, he quits bands a lot. But the only reason I would quit is because the bands would get lazy. And, you know, I was like, man, let's 
let's get better. But, you know, but, um, yeah. you know, I did that for, for quite a while. And we, we actually, uh, I played at a couple of hotel bands that, uh, we would go play holiday ends for like two weeks in this town and then go to the next town and play two weeks. And we'd stay out for like three months at a time. But, uh, that's dull playing holiday ends. You know, you play the same room six nights a week and it gets, it gets kind of boring. And that's how you, you know, it, that's, that's how the bands would quit practicing because we'd all get bored with it. But, um, mm-hmm. kind of burned out. But, you know, yeah, you do get burned out on that. But, you know, also you get burned out when you're playing one night stands like we do. So, you know, that's just, it's part of the job. You know, it's a tough yeah. job. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same pressure's hard. So- oh, yeah. So you left uh, North Carolina and then moved to Nashville? I sure did. I moved to Nashville in uh, the early 80s, and, uh, or maybe even the mid-80s. And, um, and I thought I was going to go there and just tear it up and be the hot keyboard player. And I remember talking to a buddy of mine, and he was like, don't go down there with that attitude, Winfield, because he said there are great musicians in that town. And I got there, and I realized, wow, you know, this is a town full of great musicians. But I did okay. Um, like I said, I got I got on with um, a lady named Helen Cornelius. And back in the 80s, she was pretty big. She played the Opry and stuff like that. And she and Jim Ed Brown um, had a duo. They were kind of like uh, Porter and Dolly, but they, they obviously weren't that big. But, but, you know, they were one of the, the duos out in country music. And um, so that's when I got to play on the Opry, um, you know, for for quite a bit and got to probably do it like 10 or 12 times in about a year and a half period. But, um, lasted in Nashville, got married, um, you know, did all that stuff. And then my wife talked me into getting a house job cause she, she was tired of me being on the road and I got this house job in Nashville and I got really burned out on music cause I was playing the same club six nights a week and, you know, with the same people every night. And it, it just got old after a while. And I lasted about three years doing that. And then the, my marriage kind of fell through and I just was like, well, I'm ready to get out of Nashville. So, um, I'll see, where did I go from there? I went from there to California and, uh, tried LA for about three or four years and, uh, it was tough there. You know, I mean, it's tough everywhere, you know, any music city, it's, it's hard to work because there's so many good musicians, but, um, you know, again, I, I did all right in LA and wound up working at this, uh, at this rehearsal studio called the alley, which was the first rehearsal studio ever. It was owned by the, um, uh, one of the singers for three dog night was the guy that started it. And, uh, you go in there and, and all the walls are signed. And I mean, everybody from Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, everybody had been in that place. And, um, I remember my first day there, uh, Jackson Brown was in there, rehearsing for a tour and he was one of my heroes back then and you know I got to meet him and uh, you know the next week Joe Walsh came in and I got to meet him and so I was in heaven yeah just working in the studio and um, I remember one time 
I forgot who it was. It was one of the guys in the Eagles came in, and I was playing the piano, and he went, what are you doing working in a studio? You need to be playing. And I said, yeah, but, you know, it's hard to make a living playing. He said, doesn't matter. You need to be playing. You know, he said, you don't need to be working in a studio. And um, he was right. And, um, you know, I, I started playing more. But, um, you know, Nashville's a tough town. Excuse me, L.A.'s a tough town just like Nashville is. And, you know, it's hard to make a living. So I was having to, you know, wait tables and do things like that on the side, you know, to be able to play music at night. So, right. you know, right. just like we all have to do. So it's a, it's a tough living. But I think when you when you have music in you, you have to do it. And, you know, my family was very encouraging when I was a kid uh, to play. But after a while, they were like, you know, when are you going to get a real job? You know, why are you, you know, painting houses and waiting tables and working construction just so you can play music at night? Because I'm like, that's what I do. And that's what I was put on this planet to do was play music. And, you know, and that's what I do. And so you sacrifice what you got to do to be able to play. Yeah. Were you, um, were there any bands in LA that you uh, remember playing with and enjoyed? Uh, uh, yeah, there was a guy named, uh, Mike Stinson who lives in, uh, Texas now. And he and I were good buddies. I, I didn't like LA cause I didn't like the people out there. They, they just were really shallow people. I thought, and, um, Mike was from Virginia and, uh, he lived, um, next door to the alley that owned the alley owned this house and rented it out to musicians and Mike and his roommate uh, Johnny Oregon uh, had a band and what were they called I can't remember I think they were the high numbers or something kind of a country Americana sounding band and uh, I really liked those guys and uh you know, and there were there were great musicians, and and I and enjoyed it out there. But like I said, I just didn't like the people. And after about three and a half years, I I just was ready to get out of there, so I moved back home to North Carolina. And uh, and let's see, I stayed there for a while, and then moved back to Kentucky and was dating this girl there. And uh, you, uh, gosh. are you familiar with beach music in North Carolina? With what? Beach music? Oh, yeah. We played beach music all growing up. Um, really? The Embers, bands like that, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm surprised you know about beach music because it was really a North Carolina, Virginia Beach, South Carolina thing. Um, I remember when I went to Nashville, and I would go, that's beach music. And they would go, no, it's not. It's soul music. And I'm like, yeah, but beach music's kind of its own thing. And... um yeah, we played a lot of beach music in the Carolinas, I and I know some guys. I know some guys now that still play in beach bands there, and it's still real popular. But it yeah. really is only popular on the East Coast. But um, you know, it it was fun music, and you know there were some great bands. Like I said, the Embers were really good, and um, and they're still around. I think they're out of Raleigh, North Carolina, and they are still going strong one of the big show bands out of the Carolinas but it's just well, all beach music yeah a friend of mine here his name is Steve Gerald and he uh-huh. um, plays a lot of beach music um, moved away from Nashville for a little while but I think he's back in Nashville actually he's a singer and um, his, his band 
plays beach music. So, oh. yeah, that's how I sort of knew about that scene, at least. Right. Well, I mean, it's good dance music, and if you know, if you're if you're a good dance band, you know that you know beach music is good dance music. So that's yeah. the way they dance in the Carolinas, anyway. So right. But um, yeah, you know, and it was it was fun playing that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. It's happy music. It is happy music. You know, like I said, it's it's. You get up and dance when you hear it, so you know I like that. The band I'm in now, we're we're pretty much a dance band. You know, people got to get up and dance when they hear us. So you know, it's mm-hmm. it's you know I like playing fun music. Yeah, I think I heard you. Um, I I heard you playing on. Uh, there was a video that you posted on Facebook a couple of months ago, I think, and you were really t- like doing sort of like a boogie woogie piano. Um, I don't know if you call that style barrel house or. One. That would be kind of barrel house. Yeah, I was actually uh, sitting in with this guy here called Casper Rawls. He is a legend in Austin, and he gets the best musicians to play with him. And he just needed a keyboard player in a pinch and called me. And I went down there and didn't know any of the music. And he said, so, you know, when it's your turn to solo, solo. You know, and he said, Keep it going because we only got about eight songs and we got to play two hours. And so I was just showing off, and a friend of mine taped that and he sent it to me. And he was like, You need to post that. And I was like, No, man, I'm just showing off. And he was like, No, post it. And I posted it, and I got about 100 people loved it because in shiny ribs, I don't really get to let loose like that. You know, we're, we're a lot more structured, you know. And, uh, Heck, I got a call from you after after that, you know. So I was like, "That was a good idea." I'm glad I posted that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was you know, it was fun, and and uh, you know, you just get up there and hang on for dear life, and you know, what <laughs> key are we in, and when do I have a solo, and and that's basically how you get through those nights. Right. But, uh, right. Yeah. yeah I mean. Huh. You sounded great. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. It was fun, and. Uh, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, I've I played in several uh, different bands in, around town now. And, uh, you know, when I'm not on the road with Shiny Ribs. But, um, you know, Casper Rawls is a real great guitarist. And, you know, he's been around this town for like four years. So, he, uh, you know, he's got a big following and everybody likes to play with him. So... I feel kind of honored I got to play with him, and I think he wants me to play with him next week, so I'm looking forward to that. That's great. It's always good to get a return phone call. Ain't that the <laughs> truth? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, so what's your – oh, I guess probably, I, you know, I'm a Kentuckian also, and I was just going to mm-hmm. ask you what's your attraction to Kentucky, but, you know, I, I don't have to ask. It's – um. It's a great state for musicians. It, it really is a great state. There's a lot of good musicians there. Um, you know, it's inexpensive. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I moved to Bowling Green, and believe it or not, uh, you know, Bowling Green's only like an hour from Nashville. And, um, shoot, the, the church I went to there had three Grammy winners. I mean, we had, uh, um, oh, what's his name, Sam Bush, the mandolin player. And a couple of the guys from the Kentucky Headhunters, and we all played at the same church, and so we had the best band in Kentucky, and we were in a church. So um, 
<laughs> but it was, you know, it was really, really good music. So, um, you know, I enjoyed that. But um, I just was surprised at the musicianship that came out of Bowling Green, Kentucky. The band Cage the Elephant. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they are huge. Yeah. You know, they're a huge band. I used to teach uh, their guitar player lessons. And, uh, you know, and now they're, you know, they're one of the biggest bands in the, in the world. And I used to always tell my students, don't try to do this for a living. You know, do it for fun. But, you, you know, it's hard to make a living at it. And now he's riding around in limousines and Learjets and touring with Beck. And, you know, they do they do real well. But, um, you know, they're from Bowling Green. There's another band called Blackstone Cherry out of Bowling Green that, that's a heavy metal band. And, you know, they do real well. And, you know, of course, the Kentucky Headhunters and, and, you know, Sam Bush and Chris Carmichael is one of the finest string players I've ever met. He lives in Bowling Green. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's just amazing all the, the talent that's in Kentucky. And, yeah. uh, you know, it really is. There's a lot. Where are you from in Kentucky? I'm from Hopkinsville. Oh, okay. Well, I was born yeah. in Lexington, so um, I know Hopkinsville very well. But, um yeah. So uh, you went you went to Nashville to go to Belmont. Well, actually, okay. So I've played in Bowling Green in a house band gig there for over twenty years. And, Where? Uh, at the well, we I was with the band at the Executive Inn, and now we are at the Ramada at the Crossroads Bar and Grill. I know where that is. I know that place well. Uh, gosh, what Kenny Lee plays keyboards there now? Yeah. I think. Yeah, I know Kenny Lee. Yeah. Uh, who does the, uh, no, blues jam, the Sunday Blues Jam? That's right. That's right. Well, I'll be where old compadres then. <laughs> yes, we probably, I don't know, stood in line at the subway at the same time and never even knew. But um, Probably. That's probably true. <laughs> but, no, I, I went back to school at Belmont. I'm, I'm actually, you know, um, I'm, I'm seasoned. I've been around a while. But when I was in my 40s, I went back to school at Belmont and... Um, and because I was just like kind of like what you described, I was really burned out on on playing a house gig for so many years and needed to do some new stuff. So, um, just and and since then, really, I've been working a lot in Nashville. I do. I work in both towns. Good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes you do have to just kind of, you know, rejuvenate your, yourself. You know, and. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny, when I lived in Nashville, I lived right across the street from Belmont College, that, that big white building. I lived I lived on 16th, and, uh, and I actually recorded a record in their studio. Uh, one of the guys that, that uh, was going to school there, I could go in at like 2 in the morning, and he'd let me come in there and record. So I, I actually recorded one of my one of my solo albums in the Belmont studio in the basement there. So you know? that was many, many years ago. So um, I don't even remember your, his name. Do you have these, um, do you have your solo recordings on like Apple music or is there some way to access them? Do you still sell them? You know what? I've got it, but my, my, I'm not the best songwriter in the world. I've always tried, but you know, now that I, I work with great songwriters, I realize that I'm never going to be that great songwriter. Um, I do come up with great melodies and great riffs, and you know, good good music. 
but I'm lyrically not that great a songwriter. But yeah, I've got a couple of things. I think I got something on CD Baby, um, the the Winfield Cheek album. That's that's one I did when I was living in Kentucky, right before I moved to Austin, and um, you know played all the instruments and you know did the Prince thing and. Um, oh good lord! But, Do you play drums? But the, I play drums. I started out playing drums. And, um, you know, I play bass and guitar and keyboards and banjo and mandolin and stuff like that. I don't play any wind instruments, but I can play anything with a string on it. So, uh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Yeah, anything with a string, I can pretty much play. But, um, but, you know, like I, I said years ago, I realized that, you know, piano is what people really need because they're you know they're they're hard to find good piano players are hard to find so um you know i think i found my niche there but uh you know i still enjoy playing guitar and mandolin and stuff like that but i just do it for my own fun you know i got you are you self-taught on those instruments yes i am wow but you know once you learn classical piano you can teach yourself (laughs) anything you know i think because piano yeah. pretty much is the granddaddy of all instruments. I think if you can play that, you can play anything. So, um, who were your but, favorite but, um, composers to play like classical pieces? You classical, I loved. I loved Chopin. I loved Rachmaninoff. Um, you know, as far as pianists go, um, um, I, lo- I loved Mozart and Beethoven. Bach kind of bored me. I thought that was kind of. Um, it's so regimented box music was and um i didn't really enjoy it because it wasn't that romantic you know chopin music was very romantic and you know Uh you use a lot of rubato and you you know uh play with the feel of it but um but yeah classical composers I'd, i'd say chopin was my favorite but um but, you know, I, I grew up when Keith Emerson and Emerson, Lake and Palmer and Yes and Genesis were, were coming out. And that's that's what blew my mind was when I heard that kind of music. I was like, that's what I want to play. And um, and that's kind of when I started really playing rock keyboards. And, um, what you know, I, cool? I love it. I mean- were were you like were you buying keyboards back then, like to to emulate those sounds or? Uh, yeah, I remember the first keyboard I got was a little Wurlitzer, and um, and then I wanted to get a B three organ, and my parents got me one of those Kimball, you know, living room organs with the little drum beats on them and stuff, and I started crying. I was like, "That's not what I want. I want a B three. And they're like, "What's a B three? And I said, "It's like a church organ," and uh, I finally got an M three which is a smaller version of a B3 when I was in high school. And um, I had that thing for years. Yeah, I sure did. did and about the, my, my parents almost got a divorce over it because uh, my <laughs> stepfather bought it for me because this is after they, they got me the little Kimball organ and I just, that thing sounded like a toy. And um, he, uh, I found a, an M3 and Pop bought it for me, and Mother just hit the roof. You know, you already bought him an organ. He's already got a piano, an electric piano, and, you know, you're spoiling him rotten. And um, But I actually had a real organ then, and that's that's a big difference from a Kimball to a oh, yeah. So, 
Yeah. Did you get a big difference? How did you? Um, I had a, I had a one forty seven Leslie. That thing was huge and heavy, and God, it sounded great though. You know, yeah. You yeah. just you cannot beat you cannot beat a real Hammond and a Leslie. But yeah. like I said, this new one it's pretty good. You know, for and it's a whole lot lighter to carry that thing around than it was to carry that B three and that Leslie around. Oh, but yeah. I did end up getting a B three. I sold that M three and um, got a used B3, and uh, it just about broke my back. You know, I carried it around for like 10 years in bands, and uh, yeah. I remember one time we had to carry it up a flight of stairs, and my back has never been the same since. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, I was like 19 years old at the time, and, you know, it, it oh, really did, did screw me up, and so... I kind of was glad when the digital stuff started coming out. I was like, because I could still get similar sounds. And, you know, the, the Hammond has got waterfall keys just like the B3 does. And, uh, matter of fact, my Nord has got waterfall keys. So, yeah. um, you know, you can do glissandos and stuff without tearing your hands up. Exactly. But, um, yeah, and I do that a lot because I, I play real hard. I'm a pretty aggressive player. And, uh, you know, I don't don't break as many keys with these waterfall keys. So okay. I had a had a rough time. I had a um, I had a Yamaha motif, uh, but it was non weighted keys, and I used to break a key every night I played just because I play real hard. And uh, you know, I, I don't like I don't like um, fully weighted keys just because it it wears you out if you have to do a bunch of one nighters in a row. You know, it just wears your hands out. Yeah. And um, but the semi-weighted keys, I love them. And I've gotten where I can actually play piano on those now. And, um, That's you know, and I'm just... I, I prefer to be able to sink in, honestly, when I play piano. Pardon me? It's, well, it's it's hard for me to play on a semi-weighted action when I'm playing. Uh, I hear you. It, well, it took me about two years to really get the feel of it. But um, but I, that's all I play now, so I've really gotten used to it. But but you're right. It really is hard to play when you're used to playing a piano, piano, and you get on semi-weighted or non-weighted keys. Oh, it's terrible. You know, you're you're real sloppy because you're you know everything you touch make some noise and yeah. you know and in a piano you know you can kind of go over the keys and then they're not going to they're not going to push down but like i said it, it took a good year and a half to two years but i can sit down and play a classical piece on a semi-weighted keyboard and it sounds fine you know because I've, I've gotten used to it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I'm, yeah you got to get used to it I'm, I'm what do you what do you have Oh, oh, uh, I'm using, well, yeah. I'm using an S90 at my um, house band gig, the Yamaha, this weighted key, right. 88 weighted key. Right, right. And I love it. And I actually have a C3 set up on stage, which I'm so... Is that right? Yes, yeah, so I get to play Hammond organ three nights a week. I'm so, so lucky, and I love it. Oh, good for it. you. Now, do you play foot pedals and all that stuff? I don't, No. You don't you don't do the heel to toe and all that. I I remember, you know, I, I know some great. There's a great guy in town named Red Young, and he is the best Hammond player I have ever heard. And he really? he plays here. And, oh God, he plays with everybody. I mean, he plays with big you know European bands and 
you know, he goes out on these big tours, and he's actually the Hammond representative for Austin. And when I got this uh, XK2, uh, I couldn't figure it out because I'm terrible at digital things. And I got his phone number from Hammond and called him. And I said, you know, I'm with Shiny Ribs. He said, oh, man, y'all are great. And uh, and I said, you know, how do I operate this thing? He said, I don't know anything about those new those new ones. You know, he said, I, I play but Hammond B3s. And I went to see him live, and gosh, he is fantastic. And he was like, Winfield, get up and play one. And I said, I can't do the, the bass pedals. He said, yeah, you can. It's not hard. And, and when he does the heel to toe and, you know, does it properly. And, you know, he's really a true Hammond player. I just mm-hmm. play a Hammond organ, but I'm not a true Hammond player, but he, he is fantastic. But yeah. uh, I just love to hear this guy play. We just did the uh, Delbert McClinton cruise. We do that every year, and um, he, he's always on that, and he is just such an amazing organ player. You know, I love to just sit down and drink a beer and listen to that guy play the organ. Unbelievable. But he's also a good piano player, too. Oh, I'm sure. Where's that cruise? Uh, we, uh, it's called Delbert and Friends. It's called the Sandy Beach Cruises. We've done it two years in a row. And uh, they love our band, so we're going to be back next year. But you, you go out of Fort Lauderdale, and uh, this year we, w- we went to San Juan, and, uh, you know, you go down the Caribbean for a week, and it's great. Uh, the Mavericks, um, us, Jimmy Hall, Delbert McClinton, um, Band of Heathens. There's like 30 bands, and, uh, you know, there's music all day on the boat, and it's just so cool and uh i was kind of nervous i'd never been on a cruise before and i went on that uh last year and literally had the best time i've ever had in my life and heard some of the best musicians i've ever heard and uh, there's a there's a uh, lady here in town a girl named uh, marcy ball and she um actually learned piano in New Orleans and she plays like Dr. John and those, you know, New Orleans players. And she is just fantastic. Well, she does a thing on the cruise called Piano Rama and they get like five Yamaha B90s on stage in a semicircle. And, um, it's her and Red Young and she asked me to do it and which blew my mind. And, um, and, you know, there were so many great keyboard players on the cruise. And, uh, you know, but I just felt real honored. I'm sitting in between Marcy Paul and Red Young, two of the best keyboard players in the world. And, you know, and I'm on stage with them. And I got to do it this year, too. And, uh, you know, awesome. it was really, it's really, it's really neat, really neat. That sounds so fun. I'm, I'm going to have to look and see if I can find some uh, video footage of this somewhere. You should be able to, because like I said, it, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, the Mavericks do it, and, uh, you know, Jimmy Hall usually does it, and I know he's a Nashville guy. And um, But um, it's called the Sandy Beach Cruises. And, uh, gosh, I, I think they've been doing it like 28 years now. And uh, I actually got to meet Delbert this past cruise we did and I uh, got to talk to him a little bit and he's just the nicest guy and uh, he just loves our band he was like man your band is so much fun to watch I just love you cousin 
He said, I've never seen a band do a conga line. And, uh, you know, we we do that at the end of a lot of our shows. Kevin will just jump off stage and get out there in the audience. And, you know, you, you see a thousand people doing the conga line. It's pretty cool. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's one of our trademark things. But um, Kevin's such a great entertainer that, you know, you, you have to dance if you see this guy. So he is, he is he's something else. <laughs> he is something else. Well, I definitely want to come check you guys out if you open for Robert O'Keefe again next. Well, we usually play Nashville about, uh, we usually play the, um, oh, what's that place? The winery. Uh, oh, just winery. shiny ribs. And we'll, yeah. we'll probably play that this year, and I'll let you know if when we do, because we usually get through Nashville about once a year other than that tour. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'd love for you to come check us out. I think you'll have fun. I know I would. You have to have fun. Yeah, you have to with this band. I mean, we're a fun band to watch. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to go look for some videos and things, too, to post of you. Um, oh, yeah, check out the Austin City Limits. That's, that's a good show. And, uh, yeah, well, there's a million things on YouTube of, of us. So, I mean, it's a pretty fun band. That's amazing. I'm so, um, I'm so glad when I hear somebody say, that like for six years they've made a living playing with their band. That's so cool. Exactly. Well, and, and like I said, a few times in my life I've been able to say that, but it, it's been you know on and off and on and off. And uh, I kept thinking, yeah. well, man, shiny ribs ain't gonna last much longer, and we just keep getting more popular. And you know, this this year we're playing the New Orleans Jazz Fest and playing Merle Fest and all these big festivals and. And, you know, we're starting to headline big theaters and stuff. And, you know, things are going up. You know, we just put a new album out, and that's our sixth album. And, you know, wow. things are just, yeah, keep, it just keeps on rolling. And I'm going to just ride that wave till it, till it don't ride anymore, you know. Right. Do you guys play all originals? Uh, pretty much all originals. We do covers, um, maybe two or three a set we'll do. Okay weird covers like um uh kevin's got teenage kids so he'll bring in you know songs like bitch better have my money by rihanna and we do a weird <laughs> funk version of that but you know the crowd goes crazy you know bitch better have my money and uh and you know and kevin gets out there and dances like james brown and he he looks like santa claus and uh <laughs> you know, it's, it's just really funny. And, uh, you know, and we've got the girls and they look great and they, they really have cool dance moves and I'm a show off. And, and then you've got the horn section and those guys are show offs. So it's a whole lot to look at. It's like looking at a three ring circus. <laughs> and like I said, if you don't dance, Kevin will get out there and make you dance. He will, he will get off stage and go out there and say, dance. <laughs> and everybody gets up and dances, you know? <laughs> it sounds really fun. It does. It, it is fun. And like I said, it, I have been in probably 50 bands in my life, and this is the best band I've ever been in. And oh, we wow. all, you know, re really respect each other, and, you know, it really it really is a good thing. That's so amazing. That's, um, that's another great thing to hear someone say. Um you know, a lot of times you can get kind of hung up on, oh, that, things are not going to be any better. You know, that, this has been a great experience, and I can't find anything better than this. And, you know, right, right. you make me think that that's not the truth at all. Keep plugging. Keep plugging. 
you know, like I said, we started out as a four-piece country band, and we have morphed into this, you know, we're like a show band now. And uh, and the music's changed, you know, because we got horns and we got girls, and, you know, the the... You know, the whole music has changed, and Kevin's a brilliant songwriter, and he's real quirky and, and weird, and, and you know, it's just it's really interesting music, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, yeah, it is. Who are some of your other keyboard, like, influences? I know you mentioned Genesis, so I'm thinking maybe Tony Bang. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I loved, I loved um, you know, John Lord with Deep Purple. Um, I loved Chick Corea. Um, I thought he, it was fantastic. I always liked um, uh, Joe Zalanoff with Weather Report, you right. know. And I'm talking about you know my early, you know, my high school days and college days when I was really influenced by different keyboard players. Nowadays, there aren't any great keyboard players, you know. Not not like there, you know, there aren't any like there used to be. And I just think that's kind of a shame. Because, you know, back in my day, you know, you played clavinet and organ and piano and electric piano and Mellotron and all that stuff. And, you know, nowadays it's all computerized. And I don't know. I just, I don't really know of any great keyboard players now that if I was a kid that I would look up to, you know, other than people like Chick Corea who's still up doing it, you know. But, uh, boy, he's a fantastic musician. Yeah, but um, but you know it's just not like you know back when I was a kid. You know, you had Elton John and Billy Joel, and they were good piano players. And yeah. and nowadays there's just not that many anymore. So you know, I, I just think, but you know, music goes in circles, and I think it's going to come back around again. So yeah, you know, we'll see, we'll see. When you were like trying to figure out parts and stuff, were you were you using a record player and having to put the needle down over and over? Sure did, sure did, over and over. Yeah. And you know, same thing with the tape. You know, rewind and play, rewind and play, and and yeah. you know, figure figure that part out. But I think that's how you develop your ear, and that's how you you get better. Like I said, I've I've learned a lot more since I quit taking lessons and studying than, than I did back then just because, you know, you, you kind of have to teach yourself how to do stuff. So right. it's, it's it's good for you, I think. Right. Um, some of the stuff, you know, I mean, people don't, like uh, my students today do not understand how much easier they have it. Like, you know, there's a, a website called musicnotes.com and you can, you know, sometimes you can actually buy a, an actual transcription of an of a keyboard part and you can actually transpose it into any key as well. Uh, uh-huh. you, you have to be a, a reader to do that, but it's available. You know, it's a research. Right, and right, there, right. There are piano tutorial videos all over YouTube. All over the place. I agree. And back when we were kids, there, there was no such thing as that. Yeah. And your same thing with guitar. I used to teach a lot of guitar, and you know they go, "Well, I learned this." You know, I learned tablature, and I I do it on the internet. And I'm like, "What?" And you know, because I didn't know that they had stuff like that. But you're right. There, there is a plethora of stuff you can get off the internet that'll help you help you play better. And, yeah. You know, we didn't have that in my day, but. I guess they got it now. Well, you know, in my opinion, it can be, um, it, well, it can be confusing because you kind of feel like, well, what should I do? Should I play 
in this kind of band? Should I play in that kind of band? I mean, I, I could try this style. I could, you know, it's like, it's, it's harder, I think, for people to find a niche, maybe. Right. Than it because there's so much, there's so much out there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. How do you think you stumbled up? Do, do you feel like it was luck that you found this this niche, or do you feel like it was just years of honing and being selective? I mean, it's just years of doing it. You just got to keep doing it. And, you know, you might get lucky in, in getting a band like I'm in, or you might not, you know. And, um, you know, that used to always make me mad. People would go, well, if you're a great musician, what are you doing working construction? And, you know, people don't realize that, you know, it, it's hard to make a living playing music. It really is. And very few of us can actually say we do that. You know, we make a living strictly playing music. And, um, but, you know, it's like I tell everybody, it's persistent. Don't give up. You know, if you know you've got it and that's what you do, just keep doing it. And you may look out and, you know, get a great band or, or you know, do your own thing and, and get successful with it. Or you may not, but you'll still be doing what you love to do. And that's the key, in my opinion. You know, if I wasn't if I wasn't making a, a living doing this, I'd still be doing it, and I'd be enjoying it. You know. Yeah. Do you find it hard to say no? <laughs> like if somebody asks you and, and you really don't want to learn their music, um, or do you do you enjoy just working for anybody? I kind of enjoy working with anybody, but I'll, I will say no. You know, if it's something, if I if I really don't like their music, I I don't want to play with them. But um, yeah, but yeah, you know, just because as you know, when somebody offers you a gig, you take it. You know, if it's a paying gig, yeah, I'll be there. You know, and I mean, I've been doing that since I was fifteen years old. You know, yeah, you're gonna pay me, yeah, I'll be there. And um, it's kind of hard to say no when you're used to saying yeah i'll do it yeah but um you know i'm a little more selective now you know i have turned a few people down here and there but mm -hmm. um but that's because i can I actually make a living which is a rare thing so yeah what's um i'm, I'm just gonna ask you some rapid fire questions if you don't mind <laughs> um, what's up and they may be kind of uh broad you know but but we'll see um What's what's one of the most memorable gigs you ever played? Hmm. Well, like I said, Austin City Limits was one of them. Um, playing the Ryman Auditorium was a very memorable gig, you know, because I always wanted to play there. Um, yeah. But but you know, it 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 really doesn't matter. I mean, sometimes you play in front of twenty people and you have a great night and sometimes you play in front of 10,000 people and you don't have a great night. But, um, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we just did a new year's Eve thing and there was like 50,000 people there. And, um, it was, it was cool. You know, it's neat to look down and see all those people. Um, I've actually got a picture in my studio. Uh, we played the new year's Eve thing in Austin. Uh, I think it was three years ago and there were 62,000 people. That's what the Parks Department told us uh, a few days later that they estimated the crowd was. And I've got a drone shot of it, and it looks like Woodstock, you know, and I was like, God, I can't believe I was playing in front of that many people. And thank God they didn't tell us there were that many or we'd have been scared to death. But um, 
and, you know, we didn't find out till the next, the following week that there were so many people there. But, uh, but that was a memorable gig. And, uh, but, but like I said, you never know. Sometimes, uh, that gig I played with Casper Rawls was a great gig. And, you know, there weren't 50 people in there. And, you know, it was just a fun night and everybody was on. And, you know, so, you know, you never know. Like I said, sometimes the, the, the big shows you think are going to be fantastic, you know, aren't that fantastic. And the, the shows that you kind of think, oh, I'm kind of dreading this, you know, they wind up being a great one, you know. But that's that's the beauty of music. You just never know. Yeah. What are some of your disappointments or or let's put it this way? Like, um, what's still on your bucket list that you haven't done yet that you'd like to do? New Orleans Jazz Festival, which I'm going to do this year. Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. Um, you know, and, yeah. and yeah, it's, that's hard. That's a hard one to say. Like I said, I've been I've been really lucky the past few years because we've been doing things I never thought I'd get to do, like play the Ryman and you know play the Delbert McClinton cruise and stuff like that. I've been hearing about these rock and roll cruises for years, and uh, you know we finally got the Delbert McClinton one, which is the best one I think. And uh, you know that's that's a real milestone. You know it's it's a lot of fun and. You know, you're out on the Caribbean with all these great musicians, and you know it's really good stuff. So, yes, are there um, are there any concerts coming up that you really are looking forward to going to? People you want to see play heroes? You want to hmm. Let me think. Not really, because we're traveling a lot these days, so I never get a chance to see anybody. Uh, wow. I'm gonna go see some friends of mine this week. They're playing in town, but. Um, but as far as big shows, no heck, I'm always on the daggone road. I never get a chance to. See, I never get a chance to go to shows anymore. That's a good problem to have. Um, That's a good uh, problem to have, though. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, so this is a question for my students. How are you a good band member? How do you come to like your rehearsals prepared, and and like how do you show up and be? What what are my my students who want to be musicians? What do they need to know is going to make them a good musician and a good band member? All right, um, I'm actually going to write a book called the the Handbook for Working Musicians because there is so much you need to know. Um, <laughs> you got to come in without any drama. You know, you got to leave your drama at home. You got to be able to travel a lot. You know, that's. 90% of being a musician is being in a van, you know, riding down the road. I told a, a girlfriend of mine, I was like, yeah, I'm going to make a movie about being on the road, and it's going to be a four-hour movie, and three and a half hours of it is going to be in a van. And then the 30, the 30 minutes of it is going to be on stage and in restaurants and hotels. But um, So you've got to be able to travel. Um, you know, and like I said, no drama or as little drama as you can bring because there's nothing worse than somebody whining, you know, or bitching about something. And, you know, you're all crammed in this van together or bus or whatever. And people don't want to hear that. You know, they just want to do their job and make their music and go home. And, um, you know, but, but, you know, there, there is a lot, a lot to learn if you want to be a musician and, one thing I would say is just listen, you know, 
listen to what everybody else is saying and what they're doing and try to be try to make the music as good as you can make it and don't try to be the star and i used to have that problem when i was younger i used to think oh i'm a hot dog and you know i'm I'm the star of the show well i'm not the star of the show kevin's the star of this show and um but i do what i can to support him and to make the music sound as good as i can and that's really what you need to do and you need to listen to what everybody else is doing and then put your stuff in and make it fit you know yeah and that's about what i would say for advice um, but I would tell somebody it's a tough life and you've got to be able to travel and, you know, and not make much money and not eat great food. That's just part of being on the road, you know, but, uh, if, if you love it, you love it. And <laughs> well, I, I do. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, is, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would like to talk about? I tell you, I think you about tapped me out here. I've talked about all I know what to talk about. Um, <laughs> but I've enjoyed this. This has been fun. Yeah, me too. I, You know, I feel like I've heard your name, you know, for several years, even before we, we became Facebook friends. And then, you know, you've been supportive of the podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, and so I'm so glad that we got to actually really meet each other. I mean, I know it's by telephone, but... <laughs> Um, well, that's all right. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll be up in Nashville uh, this year, I'm sure. We'll be playing the winery or someplace like that. And I will, we'll definitely keep in touch. And, and like I said, I'd love for you to come see a show, and I'd love to play with you sometime. Yeah, that would be fantastic. We'll have to do our own pianorama somewhere. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> it really would. I love that idea. I'd, I'd like to have a mixer for all of the... Uh, keyboardists who've been on the podcast and, and all those who haven't yet been on but want to be on. And, um, you know, so maybe that can happen at some point when you're around. Yeah, and like I said, what that what she does is she, she gets like five, you know, digital keyboards up there and a bass player and a drummer. And you basically, you know, key a C and you start playing some boogie-woogie song and then pretty much all of it's like barrel house music and everybody solos and you just look you know look to the next guy and look to the next girl and and you know it really is a lot of fun it really so maybe good. maybe you could put one of those together in the next year or so and we'll <laughs> all get together and have a pianorama be awesome <laughs> well um Win- winfield just thank you so much um well, i will yeah, I will look forward to hearing your band. I'm gonna look up. Well, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to meeting you in person, and uh, and like I said, maybe we can get together and play some and hang out a little bit. And uh, you know, I'll I'll be up in Nashville this year, I guarantee you. So we'll we'll definitely hook up. And you need to get down to Austin, and I'll show you some cool places and show you some great musicians. Yes, I really do. I really do. I'll take you up on that. I'll let you know when I'm coming. All right. Yeah, you <laughs> okay, better. And you're not on the road because you're a very busy person. That's is true. <laughs> but uh, but I really would. You need to come down here sometime. It's a magical town, and, you know, there's a lot of great music here. So I look forward to that. Well, I look forward to seeing you. All right. Well, you take care, and... Um, have a, a good rest of the day, week off, and um, stay dry. And I know it's pouring rain in Austin right now, but um, we will see you soon.
Well, thank you so much, Amy, and I appreciate it. And uh, keep in touch. We'll definitely keep in touch. All right. Great. All right. Thanks Talk so to you later. All, All right. right. Bye.